Welcome to the third episode of BAI Communication Smart Communities podcast, where we speak with business leaders and industry experts to ask them what the future holds for connectivity. In this episode, we're excited to be joined by Cleda Ziz, Head of Global Ventures and Smart City Connectivity Solutions at Signify, formerly Philips Lighting. Interviewing him is Justin Berger, BAI Communications Chief Strategy Officer talking about how connected lighting and partnerships between ecosystem players are illuminating the future of smart communities. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to our uh, BAI Communications Smart Communities podcast, a new episode. I am Justin Berger. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer um, of BAI. And uh, today I have the pleasure to be joined by Khalid Aziz, um, who's the SVP and Head of the Connectivity Business Unit at Signify. Welcome, Khalid. Thank you, Justin. You know that at BAI we are we are passionate about this um, this idea of smart city and, and smart community um, to a broader broader sense. So I'm I'm interested in your your take and your view in how you know lighting and then you know smart lighting and connectivity based on based on lighting. How can all of that contribute to to the smart community uh, theme? Oh, absolutely, I, and I think it's a it's a very fascinating time, um, uh, Justin. That we also see from coming from the lighting angle that uh, you know where lighting has been the source of um, you know uh, energy and and uh, transforming the uh, uh, the needs for general public. We see that the utility of lighting uh, evolving significantly um, by uh, by incorporating different technologies around sensoring um, um, and uh, uh, energy efficiency and what we have seen over the last few years is a major transformation taking place um, uh, just to give you an example uh, cities typically their 20% of their uh, um, investment or uh, 20% of their budgets are allocated towards power and lighting infrastructures and where signify sees that you know we not only transform that uh, lighting by huge energy savings that allows cities to be more sustainable, but it also then incorporates certain levels of uh, technology innovations that enable the cities to apply applications such as safety and security and community services. And that's that's a major trend that we are driving and leading the market, uh, leveraging our, our footprint of lighting uh, globally for that. Which cities or are there any specific cities or regions across the world um, where you see a, a bigger potential for you know for this technology or for deploying this new this new type of networks? So uh, maybe let's uh, you know to share with you the the vision of uh, of let's say connectivity, particularly on the lighting infrastructure. Um, so what what uh, you know as as I mentioned, I think it's it's a remarkable time when the requirements are you know, are moving from being vertical industries uh, to much more of horizontal platforms. And that's where we see that lighting grid or lighting infrastructure can play a pivotal role uh, for the next generation of connectivity requirements, Um, you know, simply uh, delivering a broadband backhaul um, to really allow many uh, applications for cities, for IoT services, for uh, communication densification on existing powered up platform. So when you look at in dense city environments, uh, there are not many established vertical assets that can be uh, utilized for the need of communication. Whereas if you look at from a micro or a nano demand of connectivity, that is really requiring a ubiquitous layer of 
uh, of connectivity services. And we see that, you know, that's where our portfolio has evolved over the years is to really provide seamless uh, backhaul connectivity and accessing the closest fiber networks using the light infrastructure. Um, when it comes to really the applications across what kind of cities, so we are broadly engaged, um, you know, the way we see it is three-tier approach, uh, tier one being very large, uh, complex urban environments or dense urban environments, uh, such as Los Angeles, New York, London, and so forth, where a deployment really creates uh, different complexity for different layer of stakeholders involved. Um, then you have uh, tier two sort of cities, which are kind of having the fear of losing out, uh, catching up with large cities on the uh, connectivity and digital requirements. And that's where also the lighting platform plays a very pivotal role because that al already exists. And then there are also these, you know, uh, tier three environments where um, especially, you know, expedited by COVID, is how do you bridge the digital divide? How do you provide uh, broadband connectivity to pretty much every household that is uh, required? So the way we engage across the market is, you know, really covering uh, this broad range of uh, different tiers of cities. That's fascinating. And and I mean, as you start touching on broader connectivity, you know, that, that's where BAI and Signify start to converge, of course. Um, and, you know, I'm interested in, in, in that solution. And if you could tell us a bit more about, you know, the way lighting can start playing a role into, into providing broader connectivity to places like, like schools or um, provide Wi-Fi. So how, what's the, what's the solution that you've got here? Yeah, and that's that's really the uh, uh, um, the real uh, fascination or fascinating point of our our future proposition, where we we are very excited and very honored to work with BI. Um, uh, we see, um, as I mentioned, from a lighting point, um, we have built out the portfolio or the solution uh, that allows a seamless conversion uh, of. Uh, really bringing the, um, you know, the way I put it is uh, uh, the typical connectivity platform requires fiber under the ground to be connected out. Now, if you take an example of a city like London, where you have almost 600 cameras uh, per square kilometer, uh, every single point really requires either a fiber connection or a very, you know, a typical copper connection available for uh, for those cameras. Now, what if that would require a single point of injection to bring out that fiber to the air and then light basically does the rest of the job by connecting that broadband over the ground. And that is really the proposition that we have as a solution where our lighting uh, units are now capable to communicate at multi-gigabit connectivity on a wireless level, uh, really providing a virtual fiber solution. Simply it's over the ground and then enabling every single node uh, that is available in that environment uh, to be accessible for any sort of you know broadband application uh, that may be required um, and this is where you know this is what the uh, the uh, let's say in summary the uh, the proposition of this new solution is all about and um, a bit of a challenging question but what do you think it takes to convince cities and the answer might be different you know for for a tier one city or a tier two city but what do you think it takes to convince them um, to work with us on on, on such a vision um, and, and, you know, what, what do you think is the best way for a city to approach this, this overarching issue of, of connectivity? Um, 
I think it's it's very difficult to generalize. That's what our experience is. You know, every city has a uh, has a particular uh, uh, need or drive or or positioning of their requirements. But there are some common trends uh, that are constantly, uh, you know, you could see it across the, the board. Cities have been uh, engaged for years trying to deploy or also deploying um, digital infrastructures. May it be citywide fiber networks. May it be uh, you know different verticals for uh, security services services, for uh, connectivity needs, and so on. And the difficulty that the cities find, uh, what we see in all the conversations, that it's very difficult to sort of manage, um, you know, each one, each of the use case independently and to have the maximum utility of all their infrastructure assets. Um, and I think from uh, with this joint proposition that we bring out, um, when the cities see that their existing needs um, can also be served, plus the future needs can be catered at a lower cost, plus it provides an opportunity for cities to potentially also monetize part of their assets that have been typically um, been on the uh, more on the uh, cost side of the equation, and now they can actually start monetizing or creating additional revenue streams. I think that typically resonates very strongly with the city um, to to cert certainly uh, and suddenly kind of realize that there are new opportunities uh, evolving in this business model that can be um, um, uh, extracted for their for their benefit. Yeah, I I, I could not agree more um, with with what you say. I also think it's it's important for. You know, for a, for a city to take the lead um, in you know designing this this project, there are so many examples of you know all of the benefits that you describe. The city is trying to achieve them, but sort of independently, um, you know, and in the the backbone network infrastructure, proper proper layer of of network um, is where it all starts. You know, and and yes. and this can only be driven by a central central um, entity in, in a city. It, it takes you know it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of organization. To achieve that, but we 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 both know some very good example of of such uh, such achievement. Uh, absolutely, uh, and and I think more and more, I think we see also the uh, uh, kind of the leading cities are uh, driving the way uh, for many others to follow. So the trend is, even though it's a <clears throat> it's an emerging one, but it is emerging across the board. Uh, recently, we have been engaged with the um, uh, with a state in India, where a statewide initiative to leapfrog uh, the connectivity from sort of a, uh, you know a, a general um, connectivity to a to a broadband, truly broadband five G enabled connectivity, uh, and the uh, the proposition of really building out uh, alternative infrastructures or in, utilizing alternative infrastructures to facilitate that. Uh, really made the um, uh, uh, made the equation become much much more credible for both the cities uh, involved in that state and also the uh, the other stakeholders uh, whether those are regulators whether those are permit uh, allowers because that really gives the opportunity to reutilize their existing assets. You you mentioned um, London a little bit earlier, um, so you know obviously we're we're very proud at BAI to have been awarded um, a fantastic uh, fantastic concession by by Transport for London and to be deploying um, a, a very exciting network across across the city and the, the transport corridors, um, and 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 obviously you know we're we're excited to to work together um, on on that project. Thinking specifically about London, are, are there any specific, you know, um, either opportunities or, or challenges that you see in in a city uh, in a city like London, which is like no other? Absolutely, and and first of all, a big congratulations again. I think that is uh, a, a simply a remarkable achievement to be 
at the um, you know uh, at the forefront of that transformation at the most complex perhaps uh, the cities in the world um, and and the way we see it as well that this partnership can really evolve is um, you know the TFL assets when you look around um, both the underground within the ground and over the ground and you know it better than anybody else how that infrastructure is currently uh, designed and built out but we foresee that you know I think the demand of connectivity again um, risen by the city's own needs uh, by the communities and the safety and security services by uh, the public wi-fi or 4g 5g access that requires a sort of a ubiquitous layer of wireless connectivity whether you're under the ground or over the ground um, enabled by of course very strong conduits of fiber uh, but the challenge really in, in an environment like uh, London happens is that, you know, the last five meters to pull out fiber out of the ground is usually a very complex exercise of very many stakeholders that needs to be engaged. And I think that's where our joint proposition really helps to build these arteries of broadband backhaul connectivity over the ground as well, uh, enabled by lighting infrastructure that then can be utilized by multiple stakeholders and businesses in that environment. And we believe that there are numerous use cases, some we can uh, already define today, whether those are connected buses, um, providing public Wi-Fi services to its citizens, whether those are you know, camera and security services around the uh, TFL assets, uh, or in future, when you look at it, um, you know, all the mobility that requires extensive connectivity on the move, um, not necessarily latency driven, but much more throughput and bandwidth driven that requires an infrastructure that is available or able to cater for uh, for those service provisioning. Uh, and we believe that, you know, utilizing those assets and transforming those assets would be something very similar that happens, you know, it's like a chicken or egg, what comes first? Is it the application that comes first or is it the infrastructure that comes first? And I think jointly here, if we, the way we would address it um, potentially is if the infrastructure is laid out, um, your utility of the infrastructure really follows through very quickly. It, ha it hardly ever happens that, you know, you put up the uh, connectivity infrastructure and, and it lacks um, applications to run that. And, you know, we've, we've briefly um, touched on the topic of <clears throat> mobile network operators. Um, so in your sort of ecosystem and in your, in your solution, you know, where do you see the, the, the MNOs play in, in that? I think the MNOs are uh, clearly an important part of the entire equation. Uh, that's where the you know the the, the demand side uh, of terminal utility and and the terminals uh, penetration really uh, resides. Uh, but I think there is more and more realization around the MNOs as well that um, creating um, uh, individual networks to cater for multiple varial uh, applications is is not so much of uh, you know a differentiation. Um, you really need to have specialized uh, partners and players that can create those ubiquitous and um, uh, uh, general networks that can be then resided and utilized by the MNOs to provide uh, their differentiated services uh, as compared to just a network layer. And I think that's where MNOs and neutral hosts are, are really becoming um, the key players, um, really jointly defining uh, the layer of connectivity where MNOs reside and utilize as per their requirement. Um, and I think in the MNO front, we also see a major shift between um, latency-led uh, services uh, or mission-critical services to a large extent 
and throughputlet services, uh, which are also becoming a significant increase. I mean, just if you look at the outdoor Wi-Fi market, which is expected to grow at 18% CAGR for the next five to seven years, is all led by everything that we see around that requires to be connected to some sort of a uh, wireless infrastructure, which is not catered by the MNO infrastructure typically. And that's where these multiple layers are, uh, you know, come into play, even though the, uh, that the uh, uh, service provisioning is done by MNOs, uh, the service availability is really catered by by the likes of BAI as neutral host in that environment. Back to the you know the the topic of smart community and you know we've talked a lot about tier one tier two cities. I'm interested now in you know um, deep diving a little bit into the, the sort of the rural um, aspect. Um, and you mentioned that this is also part of your of your vision. So could you expand a little bit on you know what specific role do you see lighting? Uh, smart lighting and you know lighting connectivity play in in these areas. Indeed, and I think that's um, um, that's also been a big realization over the course of the last two to two two to three years as we have engaged in the markets. Um, and particularly, as I mentioned earlier, I think it's uh, it's a major um, uh, sort of an acceleration uh, <clears throat> trend that is uh, driven by COVID, where the digital divide was. Uh, uh, horribly exposed in some of the very developed markets as well. Um, that fiber to the home promise, um, you know, has not been really kept up with the pace of requirement and demands in in uh, suburban and rural uh, environments where the communities, including schools, public libraries, uh, do not have, you know, the sufficient level of um, uh, public connectivity. And then comes the challenge that who builds that network? And and you know it, you know, as private entities. Um, whether they are fiber companies or MNOs, uh, the business cases are quite um, needs to be very robust in terms of the demand side. And usually, rural and uh, uh, remote serv- areas do not necessarily justify those heavy investments upfront. So there is a clear gap out there, which then uh, makes the those towns and communities realize what alternatives can be applied. Now. Again, guess what? Which infrastructure exists? Um, lighting already exists at that infrastructure. And if um, so, on, on the back of the lighting infrastructure, I think one of the key use cases that we see is the fixed wireless access, uh, really providing sort of the like of the FTTH service, but uh, effectively providing it wirelessly through the lighting infrastructure. So, we are now in talks with um, just to give you an example with the cities in, in Germany, for example, um, these are tier three cities. But they, they, the key problem statement is how to expand the fiber-like connectivity to, um, to the districts and the, uh, let's say, relatively remote uh, areas um, using the light infrastructure if it can extend and the way it can extend the fiber connectivity across those, um, those areas. Uh, and again, uh, for city, it's really a win-win situation because not only they provide uh, connectivity access to their citizens, but also uh, the security services, the, the efficient lighting that also saves them the energy uh, consumption and so on and so forth. And it, all these things really start to come together as the need and demand really at the macro level is. Uh, uh, is expanding. Uh, just maybe last remark, uh, you know, um, not only these are the cities that have realized, but if you see the green um, um, investment bill across EU, uh, the American Investment Act that has been, uh, uh, you know, expanding a lot of infrastructure upgrade has a major component to really digitalize uh, these tier two and tier three um, environments as well. It's fascinating. 
And I you know I think uh, can only agree with your your comment on you know the business case. Uh, you know there, there is a divide. There is a, a wish from everyone to bridge that 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 gap. Um, but there is a challenging business case. And so I mean there's a few things. There's you know the um, government investment. You know um, subsidies that are that are more often than not required to make this make this work. Um, Absolutely. There's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a wish to, to avoid, you know, overbuild, um, and over competition in this area because that, that could destroy any, any, any business case. But then there's, of course, you know, um, innovative and, and clever solution. And that, that's where I think, you know, your solution like the one you, you have, um, deployed that really reduces the total cost of, of ownership of, of building those links, um, comes into play. And is uh, really something that can help um, help progress that beyond beyond subsidies, um, for example. Indeed, and and I think very rightly mentioned. I think the key of of a solution is when it is scalable to demand. So you're not building out the entire infrastructure upfront, but you're really creating a, a an opportunity to scale as the need. Uh, evolves. Uh, and, you know, to make it very simple, it is all about really replacing a 10-minute job of replacing a luminaire on a pole uh, that allows you the next district to be accessible for broadband connectivity. And then if the next one needs to be done, you replace another luminaire on the pole. And that's a very significantly different, or, or I would say disruptively different way of expanding broadband uh, backhauling as compared to a legacy way where you really have to dig the entire infrastructure, lay out the fiber networks, and then wait and see who comes and uses it. And most often, the ones that are expected to use will like to have their independent infrastructure deployed rather than camping on uh, on what is done by the city or the community itself. Well, I think uh, all what is um, all what is left for me is to to thank you, um, Khalid, for for joining uh, joining me, joining us on this um, on this smart community podcast um, for the uh, communication. It's been a pleasure to uh, to talk with you and to get your your perspective on um, on the topic of smart communities and how how signify um, how signify can contribute and uh, and how we together through our partnership can uh, can achieve this vision. So thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. Thank you so much, Justin.